Welcome to Coog's Talk Stock from WSU Extension, a science-based podcast about animal agriculture for those that raise food animals, those that are interested in learning how, and those that want to learn more about where their food comes from. Find us online at soundcloud.com forward slash Coog's Talk Stock. This is the second part of Coog's Talk Stock with Derek Josie of TDF Honest Farming. I'm your host, Sarah Dreger, a master's student in the Animal Sciences Department here at WSU. Derek is well known for having a strong following on his social media pages where he shares the ins and outs of life as a Tillamook dairy farmer. Derek doesn't shy away from sharing what really takes place behind the scenes of a farm and works hard to help the general public know their knowledge and understanding of complicated agriculture topics. Thanks for being here today, Derek. It's my pleasure. From my understanding, you started with a Facebook account, right? Yeah, that would be correct. And it has evolved into the brand TDF Honest Farming and the Ask a Farmer motto. You have been widely recognized as an advocate for both dairy and agriculture in general. In addition to your busy life as a dairy farmer, what made you take on this project? Uh, Well, I was taking on this project long before I started the page. I was arguing with them. misinformed people online long before that uh as myself just through my normal uh presence online and i realized that all i was doing was helping their information get out because i was arguing on their stuff so i decided you know if we're gonna argue it might as well be on information i'm putting out so the algorithm puts the correct information in front of people instead of whatever it is I'm commenting on. Yeah, proper information in egg can be really hard to find and can you can find biases on anything. So if you're putting out your own information, you're definitely going to know you're spreading the right information. Right. I'd rather my biases be put <laughs> out there. So it has just evolved into a brand and how much of this like time does this take up compared to dairy farming? <sighs> well, I a lot. I like to, tr- you know, I used to downplay it, be like, oh, it's not a big deal. I, I, I you know, it's in my spare time. But um, I average mm, four to five hours on my phone on TDF uh, pages every day. Most, the vast majority of that time now is while I'm at work, when I find, you know, when I'm mixing my feed and I've got 10 or 15 minutes while it's mixing or things like that, or slow moments where I'm just waiting and otherwise would just be perusing the internet. Uh, now I am more productive because I'm doing uh, stuff on my own page. So it does take a lot of time. It, you have to be dedicated. You have to be willing to put in the time and you do need to find balance between real life and online social media because it can, it can consume you if you don't. For our listeners, the concept of advocation is advocating for agriculture. It's become a popular term and a way to teach those that are removed from agriculture about basic practices and help them understand the importance of necessities of what goes on to provide fresh, healthy food. What does advocation mean to you? It means something a little different to me because I don't feel like I'm trying to necessarily educate people. 
with what I do online. I I'm just showing my life and talking about it in a way that allows them to absorb information without me trying to teach them. Um, and I feel like, uh, a lot of people take a different route. And so it falls on deaf ears because nobody likes to be lectured at. Um, but advocating for agriculture for me is it's probably one of the most important things we can be doing right now. Cause if we're not out there showing our lives, talking about our lives, um, somebody else is controlling the narrative and then we get things pushed through our legislatures that negatively affect our lives and negatively affect um, the lives of our consumers that are buying food and fiber without them even realizing it. Yeah, absolutely. Only about two to 4% of the U.S. population is directly involved with agriculture. What are your, some of the biggest misconceptions that you see and try and tackle? Uh, well, a lot of the misconceptions revolve around uh how we grow our food or how we take care of our animals. Um, there's a lot of fear when it comes to food. Um, and I don't understand why other than people are not directly involved in agriculture anymore. Um, but one misconception and you actually just used it two to 4%. That's the actual farmers. Mm -hmm. I think directly in the industry between everybody that works in the processing plants and everything. I think we agriculture accounts for 27% of, uh, the labor in the United States. So we have a much bigger voice than we know. We just don't utilize everybody involved. And in fact, you know, somebody at, a manufacturing plant making the end product is probably just as disconnected from the farmer as anybody else is. So what are three things you wish everybody knew about farming and producing food in your case, milk? Uh, I wish people understood that farmers are trying to do their best to grow a safe, healthy product for them to consume. I wish they knew that farmers wear a lot of different hats um, and have a lot of knowledge when it comes to agronomy, which is chemicals and growing and uh, animal welfare, all the stuff that goes into it. We're not just out there winging it. There is a lot of science and a lot of technology involved in farming and it's not the same as it was 60 100 years ago there's a lot that is involved i think that's more than one thing in that yeah. <laughs> rambled yeah the stereotype of like in movies portrayed the dumb farmer is definitely not correct in anything i've ever seen <laughs> yeah straw hat yeah so what's your strategy to try and right those wrongs? Uh, my strategy is just uh, to show 
my life as a farmer online. And, you know, most people are like, I didn't realize that you have to take soil samples to see what your nitrogen levels is, are nitrate levels and your phosphorus. And I didn't realize that you test your manure so that you are only applying the right amount for the specific crop that you're growing. And just by talking about that, it, it, a light bulb goes off in people's minds like, wow. Or the fact that we, you know, test the cow's milk. Every load of milk is tested for a ton of different things. And they're like, huh, I didn't realize that. I just, you know, thought milk gets picked up and gets bottled. Yeah. So the egg community as a whole is known for being pretty private and at times kind of a gatekeeping community from education, which is really upsetting. But you do it in such a way that everyone is invited to listen and learn. Can you tell us a little bit more about your approach and why you think people like it and follow you? Yeah, um, you're absolutely right. Most most farmers are definitely private people. And I mean, you know, they're usually out there on their property and maybe have a few employees they work with that most likely have been working there. If, if you're your average farmer, you're almost 60 now. So you've probably had the same employees for 15, 20 years. And so the idea of talking to people off farm is a strange concept. Um, I think the younger generation, uh, and I, I consider myself the, not the younger generation anymore. I think they are going to do a much better job than even I do just being able to use technology to reach people that otherwise will would have never had the chance to have a conversation with somebody in the farming industry. And so I'm really excited to see that happen and unfold. Um, but my approach has always just been to share my life and, um, show what I deal with on a daily basis. Do you have a favorite successful milestone or interaction or favorite moment that this has brought you? I don't know if I have a favorite moment, but uh, when I get messages from people like uh, there's been several times where it's like, well, I was I was just about to decide to go vegan because I was worried about animal welfare and just watching you interact with your your cows. It, has reassured me that farmers aren't just out there abusing animals. Do you think every farmer should be transparent and get involved in telling their story to the public? I think that it takes a unique personality and um, every farmer should do what they're comfortable doing. But I would never uh, tell a farmer that they have to do something or have to be online or have to be, you know, go into Congress certain personalities and most people know what they, sh uh, what they are comfortable doing. I would never tell somebody that they have to do something. Where's the line for between privacy and transparency? Cause it's very fine line. <laughs> it's a very fine line. And I, I don't know the answer to that cause it's different for every person. 
I mean, I follow some people that they put everything out, you know, their family, their, and my wife happens to be a very private person and we are fairly private in our family life. Um, cause we feel like the kids need to have their privacy. Um, so for us, there's a line that I try and maintain. I'm not saying it's perfect all the time, but our, our line in the sand is going to be completely different than somebody else. So it all comes back to what people are comfortable doing again. So taking a bit of a different turn, you talked about animal welfare earlier. Can you talk about the difference between animal welfare and animal rights? Yeah. And that's a very um, distinct difference. Uh, Every farmer believes that animal welfare is important. I mean, happy, healthy cows, for example, they dairy cattle produce better milk. Um, The difference between animal welfare and animal rights is uh, animal rights. They believe that they deserve all the rights of humans. And I don't, I don't believe that. I believe that animals deserve to be treated humanely and be taken care of. If they're in my care, I do not believe they have the same rights as my employees or uh, other people that come visit my farm. And they'll say that I'm a speciesist for saying that. And I fully accept that term being applied to me. Uh, I do not think animals have the same rights as humans. Animal abuse is a very serious offense. And I'd argue that those farmers and ranchers that are doing it right take it the most seriously because when others see animals abused, they're going to put those conceptions on them. So when an unexplained video comes out, such as a farmer lifting up a down cow with hip lifts, which probably does hurt, it, but it looks abusive, but it's very necessary to get that animal up ASAP or it's going to have way more serious repercussions than sore hips. And you don't shy away from taking, from talking about these realities. Can you share with us how you handle these situations that are um, sometimes controversial? Yeah, you're right. I don't shy away. I've actually done videos showing when I have a cow in the hip lifters and uh, it, it's, uh, it is, it is one of those sensitive topics, but I think people generally would rather oh, uh, a truth and see it than not understand. And so by doing what I do, the next time they see an abuse video where, you know, they're portraying this farmer for as horrible for using hip lifters, they're going to go, no, I actually know what that is. And I know that that farmer is actually trying to take care of that animal. Um, yeah, it may not look pretty, but there's lots of things in life that don't look pretty that are necessary. For anyone who doesn't know, can you quickly touch on what hip lifts are and why we use them? Yeah, absolutely. Hip lifts, they're like a big clamp that go on the hip bones of a cow. And you there's many different types, but basically you have a chain from them or a rope that goes to most likely a loader bucket or a tractor 
and you lift them up by the hips and you can't see it, but I'm using my hands to help describe it. Um, uh, and it doesn't look good. And obviously the cow might struggle when you're lifting them because their natural reaction is to try and stand and get away, which you want them to stand, but you would use them with a cow that is not able to stand on her own but you're lifting her up to either get her to stand on her own after she's standing or to get blood flow back in and you can leave her in the hip lifters for a little while to help with blood flow. Um, It doesn't look the best and there's no way for it to look the best because most of the times if you're doing that with a cow, she's a sick cow. She's already going to look like she's, not well. And so it's just not, um, it's not a situation that you would want to show. And if, if it wasn't a hot topic issue, I probably would, wouldn't show it as much as I do either, but people need to understand animal welfare and why we do what we do. Yeah. And if an animal's down for too long, their rumen stops, their digestive system stops, their legs lose circulation. They can't get up. They won't get up. They all essentially die. Yes, so exactly. it is very necessary to get those animals up off the ground. So with these videos and misinformation circulating, how do you discern credible and uncredible sources for the general public people who are seeing things on the internet? Oh, well, my general rule of thumb is if an animal rights organization is sharing it, it is most likely not credible. <laughs> it's just my default for that, uh, like a video coming out. Um, but I have, I have a lot of resources behind me and most farmers do. You have your ag or- organizations that have people that will actually look into stuff for you if you reach out to them and probably already have the information on it because that's their job. Um, and if you, and if you can't trust your own organizations to look into things and let you know what, what's going on, uh, I think we have bigger issues. Um, but sometimes it's a little iffy on whether there's a lot of things that I just, uh, I'll read them, but I'm not going to use them as a source. And so I'll get multiple sources to come to a conclusion. And then I will just form my own uh, hypothesis. And when it comes to abuse videos, my general rule of thumb is to just stay out of it until more information comes out. I'm never going to be the first one to uh, discuss the latest and greatest animal abuse video because I want to know, you know, I want to let, if there's an investigation, uh, I want it to take its course, see what, you know, law enforcement finds out. I, I don't need to chime in. I know it's social media and everybody feels the need to be the first and I take a different approach to it. Do you have any suggestions of resources or other advocates that you recommend? Well, in the dairy industry, um, your local checkoff people are great resources, whether you're looking for um, studies for the benefit of dairy farming or agriculture in general. Um, 
most college publications are going to have a lot of scientific uh, data that you can use, but I don't, I don't necessarily have one magical source because I think every source uh, has its bias, and so I, I take information from everywhere. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have a good answer to that. No, that's okay. It's a very complicated question. There's a lot of information and. In- like you said, every source is biased in some way. Yes, exactly. Do you have any future challenges that you're really anticipating for the dairy industry or just egg in general that you are trying to hit before they get big? I I see this push towards uh, fake meat and lab grown meat as a challenge for us. I don't I don't think it's going to ever take off at a major in a major way uh, because it's just always going to be a little too expensive and can't compete but they do try and um, paint agriculture in a negative light and I think that that's a major challenge and I think these animal rights organizations are going to continue to be a challenge and one that most of our industry has not got a handle on and does not know how to cope with uh, our tendency to just ignore them has been a major downfall for us for too long. And too many people are still willing to just put their head in the sand and think that they can just ignore them. So as we wrap up this episode of Kooks Talk Stock, can you share with our listeners um, any place they can find you? Um, you also have a book out that you should mention. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. You can find me at tdfhonestfarming.com. I am TDF Honest Farming on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and at Derek Josie on Twitter. I also have a book that I just released called An Industry Worth Fighting For, available on Amazon and Kindle. And this coming spring of 2022, it'll be out on Audible. Thank you for joining us today, Derek. Uh, It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Cougs Talk Stock podcast, brought to you by Washington State University Extension. You can review, rate, and subscribe on iTunes or anywhere you listen. Find us online at soundcloud.com forward slash Cougs Talk Stock where the additional resources from our podcasts are linked. Let us know if you have any burning questions or suggestions at Stock at wsu.edu. This podcast is brought to you by Hannah Browse, Sarah Drager, Dr. Don Llewellyn, and Natasha Moffat-Hemmer, and is produced by Connors Communications at Washington State University. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by guests of this podcast are their own and does not imply Washington State University's endorsement.